Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. And today I'm going to explore the life of Dr. James Martin Peebles, a man who was a medical doctor, but also an active spiritualist and a leader in that movement. And his story is quite a fascinating one, if not somewhat peculiar at times. So come along and join me. So in a biographical review of Calhoun County, they feature a bio on James Martin Peebles. And I'm just going to read you sections of it here so that we can put into context the foundation and key moments of his life. And then I'm going to discuss a lot more other details that I found in other sources. So indelibly engraved in the pages of history is the name of Dr. James Martin Peebles. Man's worth in the world is determined by his usefulness, by what he has accomplished for his fellow man, and he certainly is deserving of the greatest honor and regard whose efforts have been of the greatest benefit to his fellow man. Judged by this standard, Dr. James Martin Peebles may well be accounted not only one of the most eminent and distinguished citizens of Battle Creek, but also of America throughout his professional career covering many decades, his efforts have been of a most helpful nature. Not alone as a practitioner of medicine and surgery has he become widely known but also as a teacher, an author, and a scientist, disseminating knowledge across various lines that has an immeasurable effect in the world. So that is how they open with the biography on James Martin Peebles. He was born in Vermont in March of 1822, and he was the son of James and Nancy Peebles, and his family ancestry could be traced back to the ancient town of Peebles in Peeblesshire, Scotland, which was at a very early date in the history of Anglo-Saxon civilization. In 1718, some of his family crossed the water to New England and, under the Reverend Abercrombie, established a settlement in Pelham, Massachusetts. So, upon growing up, after attending some of the common schools in his native town, Dr. Peebles continued his studies in a select school at Binghamton, New York, and later pursued a course in Oxford Academy of the same state. When 20 years of age, he entered the Universalist ministry and for several years preached with ability and success in the churches of that denomination in Oswego and Elmira, New York, and in other cities around the state. Deciding to leave the ministry and make the practice of medicine his life work, he entered the University of Medicine and Surgery at Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where he completed a full course of study and was graduated with the class of 1870 with the degree as a medical doctor. In 1877, he received from the same institution the degree of Master of Arts, while in 1882, the Medical University of Chicago conferred upon him the degree of Doctor of Philosophy. After his graduation, Dr. Peebles began the practice of medicine in Philadelphia and also at the same time conducted a practice in his place of residence in Hammonton, New Jersey, while for some time he had charge of the medical 
medical ward at the city hospital in Philadelphia. After practicing there for some time, during which he was successful in the treatment of chronic diseases, he moved to San Antonio, Texas, and opened the first sanitarium in that location. And he conducted that sanitarium operation for quite some time. He enjoyed a very large patronage there in San Antonio, Texas. He was called upon as the chair of physiology, psychology, and ontology in the Eclectic Medical College of Cincinnati, Ohio. He retained his position as a professor in that college for a number of years and gained the reputation of being a profound thinker, a fluent speaker, and a teacher of more than ordinary ability. Disposing of his interests in San Antonio and severing his connection with the college, he moved to San Diego, California, where he purchased property and opened what was known as the Health Home Sanitarium, the place of being a splendidly equipped building and furnished with the purpose for that use. Not caring to be situated on the very border of the country, however, Dr. Peebles disposed of his interest there in 1896 and he moved to Battle Creek, Michigan, and he opened a medical institute, which at the time of the publication of this biography, he was still in operation, which was in 1904. The institution proved to be a successful undertaking for Dr. Peebles, and his reputation became very broad at that point in time in history. The doctor's efforts, however, have never been confined entirely to the treatment of diseases for his research and has crossed other lines of labor he established a monthly publication called The Temple of Health and secured a large circulation in doing so. His prominence also grew in public affairs and led to his selection for various positions of trust and responsibility. In 1868, he was appointed a member of the Northwest Congressional Indian Peace Commission, and in this work, he was associated with Generals Sheridan, Sherman, and Harney, and Colonel Colonel Tappan, and other prominent men. He was stationed at Cheyenne and there received the complaints of dissatisfied Indians. In 1869, Dr. Peebles was appointed by General Grant to the position of United States Counsel at Trebizonde on the Black Sea in Turkey, where he served for two years and then he resigned. So he was essentially an ambassador to Turkey. On the return trip, he stopped in Rome and he spent the winter there. In 1886, he represented the United States Arbitration League at the International Peace Commission of Europe, which was held in Berlin. And he was a delegate to the Universal Peace Union, which met at Buffalo during the Pan American Exposition. So Dr. Peebles had become quite a prominent name in the United States with his connection with international affairs as well as his national experience in travels as a medical doctor. He was also prominently connected with various fraternal organizations and he was a master mason. He was also a member of the Order of Oddfellows and later he joined the Sons of Temperance. He was also a member of the organization the Independent Order of Good Templars. He was also a world traveler, and in his life, he actually circumnavigated the globe at least 
three times. And he was on his fourth tour around the world when he was 80 years old. He was also a member of the Anthropological Society of London, in which he made several reports while he was in Asiatic Turkey. And he was also a member of the Psychological Association of London and wrote many contributing papers. He was also a member of the Academy of Sciences of Naples and a member of the International Climatic Association and the Institute of Christian Philosophy, the Victoria Institute, and the Philosophical Society, a peer of the Royal Society of London. Now, the doctor was a member of the Episcopal Church, but he was also a pronounced believer in spiritualism. And in Battle Creek, there was quite a large spiritualism movement. In fact, there was a town just west of Battle Creek called Harmonia that existed during the early turn of the century, and it was founded by spiritualists. In fact, Sojourner Truth lived there for time, and she was very connected with the spiritualists. She lived in Harmonia for a time before moving to Battle Creek, and she was often speaking besides spiritualists. And Dr. Peebles was a frequent speaker in Battle Creek for the abolition of slavery and the spiritualist movement, and he often took the stage with Sojourner Truth, as well as some other prominent members of that same movement. And it says right here in this biography, he took an active part in the anti-slavery movement when it required great personal and moral courage to stand in firm support. And he occupied the same lectern platform with Garrett Smith, Henry C. Wright, and Sojourner Truth, who was a resident of Battle Creek. And he was with William Lloyd Garrison at the time of his great speech in Syracuse, New York. He also lectured frequently on the subject of women's suffrage and temperance. And it goes on to explain that four times in his life he circumnavigated the globe, which I mentioned earlier, and the fourth time was when he was 80 years of age. And at the present time of the writing of this biography, he was staying in Calcutta, India. Now, some of the books that he wrote, he became quite internationally known for, kind of ties into a lot of his story and his history. So I'm going to give you the titles of some of his publications that received a lot of national and international attention. He was the author of Immortality and Our Future Homes, and it was a 350-page book that was published in 1880. It was in its eighth edition in 1904 when this biography was published, and it was entitled How to Live a Century and Grow Old Gracefully, and that was published in 1881. And it should be noted that you can still buy reprints of his books on places like Amazon. And there were several editions of that book and additional volumes that he wrote. One was Death Defeated or How to Keep Young. Another was Compulsory Vaccination, A Menace to Health and Personal Liberty. And another publication was that received a lot of attention was called The Christ Question Settled. And another book that he published was called Who Are These Spiritualists? which he gathered a lot of the names of the distinguished and most brainiest members in the world that believed in the psychic phenomena. And at the time of this publication, it was in its second printing. So on the 23rd of May, 1852, Dr. Peebles married Miss Mary M. Conkley, she was the daughter of Mr. and Mrs. Thomas Conkley of Canton, New York. 
prior to her marriage, she was a successful teacher in the Clinton Liberal Institute of Clinton, New York. And she had moved with him to Battle Creek and was living in Battle Creek at the same time of this publication. Now, let's return for a moment to his publication that received the most notoriety in his time, and that was How to Live a Century and Grow Old Gracefully. There were several articles published on him at the time of his death, and I'm going to get into more of that in a minute. But How to Live a Century was also a publication on a variation of that same book. And he was often quoted as saying that he intended to live to a hundred and beyond. He gave a lot of tenets to follow in his philosophy, How to Live a Century. And here's some of them. Um, He often declared a person grows old until reaching the age of 70 and then starts a period of second youth. Other rules of life, in addition to others that he had quoted, was that he remained a vegetarian. He had quit eating any meat the last 60 years of his life. He also said that you had to have an unbounded faith in God. You had to be in bed at night by 8.30 and out of bed every morning at 6 a.m., abstain from tobacco, abstain from intoxicating liquors, avoid worry, never complain, and always look for the new, keep an interest in life. So a lot of those rules make a lot of sense even today. I don't really see a controversial rule on the list at all if you put it into the context of your own life. So it's just a very fascinating point. Now, because he was very actively involved in the spiritualist movement and he passed away while planning his 100th anniversary celebration, he was going to turn 100 on March 23rd, 1922. And so they were planning a 100th birthday party and celebration. And he'd always said that he was going to live well beyond 100. And he passed away on February 15th, 1922. He was 40 days short of achieving the centurion mark. And he was living with a bunch of spiritualists and friends with them out in Los Angeles, California at the time of his death. And he had told some of them that if in the event that he did die before his 100th birthday, that he would show up for the party anyways. And that they could talk to him through a medium at a spiritualist gathering on his birthday. So, of course, when he passed away before the date, they still held the birthday party in his honor. And this is where it gets interesting. There's newspaper articles that went all over the United States following his death, not only talking about um, the fact that, you know, he said he would live to 100 and he died 40 days shy of it. So there was some cynicism in some of the articles, but there was also a lot of laudatory praise of the example that he set in living from the different reporters across the country. And I did a nationwide search for papers in addition to a local search here in Battle Creek, and I came up with a lot of different viewpoints with uh, newspapers all over the country. But one of the things that kind of blew up all over the place was these stories about Dr. Peebles coming back from the grave. Here's one example from the Battle Creek Moon Journal. Heavenly interview with late Dr. Peebles. And there was a Los Angeles medium that described he was in a astral land inhabitant. And the medium was claiming to have spoken with another dead poet who relayed that he had been speaking with Dr. Peebles, and it was just really interesting. It's kind of amusing, fascinating, 
at the same time. And it kind of puts it in the context of the time period where people were reaching really heavily for the spiritualism movement. This is 1922. It was in California. And there was a Dr. Bogart, who was a nationally known medium at the time that was making these claims. So, of course, the news went out to all of the national news agencies and different papers all over the country carried it. And there's different headlines that came out of this period. I want to read you a few of the headlines. So the East Chicago Times on March 24th, 1922 has spirit guests at banquet. The same story was carried in the Hammond Lake County Times on the same date. There was also headlines in the Hammond Lake County Times that read psychics, Await voice from grave. In the Mitchell Evening Republican on March 24th, 1922, which is a publication out of Mitchell, South Dakota, they had a headline that said, Peebles in spirit message tells friends there's no death, rheumatism is gone. Bakersfield, Californian came with the headline, Scientist presents in spirit at banquet asserts friend. So this Dr. Bogart asserted that the presence of Dr. James Martin Peebles was at this gathering, and he was speaking to them from the beyond. They even set a chair for him at the gathering, and they said he was sitting in the chair. And some of the quotes that they said Dr. Peebles made were, may the longer life league bring about the condition where you won't Make such a flurry about a few centurions in your midst. In the service of love, you will find your excuse for living. It will make your life full and overflowing. Watch the physical side, the diet and exercises to lengthen your years. It is a crime to die under a hundred years, a racial crime now. But in the dawning of age, it would be an individual crime. And when he's referring to a racial crime, he's talking about the human race. And then he apparently closed with, I am glad to add my testimony to the fact that there is no death. What must the church do to be saved? Save the church. Let the church serve and love, and it will be saved. So that was uh, some of the stuff that was being s submitted about what the deceased doctor was apparently saying at the gathering. And I'm only reading this to you because it was quite sensationalized at the time, and it does have a bit of context and history from the viewpoint of what spiritualists did and how they um, held these gatherings. And there was quite a a lot of belief in this at the time period, and there's still a bit today. Uh, there was some cynical headlines in New York Herald, published on March 21st, had the following, Spook to attend 100th birthday party, Dr. Peebles writes notes and draws picture of himself. And in the same gathering, apparently, they claimed that Dr. Martin Peebles was saying that some clairvoyance might be able to see him. But nonetheless, his death did reach national newspapers for a lot of other reasons. Um, he was 40 days shy of the centurion mark, and this was carried in newspapers 
all over the country, Xenio, Ohio, Laverne, California, Pueblo, Colorado, uh, Canton, Ohio, Thomasville, Georgia, Escanaba, Michigan even had the headline, James Martin Peebles dies at age 99. And there were newspapers in Wilmington, Delaware, even in Arizona, Washington, D.C., and you kind of get it. They were small newspapers all over the country carrying this story because he was a pretty well-known man and certainly well-traveled. So he's an interesting individual. I came across his story when I was working on putting together a spreadsheet on the biographical review of Calhoun County. This is a little project I've been working on, and I'm trying to do that with a lot of these other biographical books that I have to make it easier for me when I'm researching a name or I see a name that sounds familiar and I can't quite remember where it's from. I could go to my spreadsheet and check the spreadsheet, and then I'll be able to find and easier find the reference I'm looking for on a particular individual. So my plan is over the next six months or so to spreadsheet out as many of the names that I come across in books and have kind of a database for myself so I can put these stories together with a little bit more exact content and not forget particular details um, because it's very easy to do that when you're kind of doing this mass genealogy research storytelling stuff that I tend to do about local history. And I love it when I find connections to things that I would have otherwise missed. So I try to be organized and I'm trying to set up organizing systems for the future to make it a lot easier. And anyways, I put together a spreadsheet. I started with this book because it was strictly on Calhoun County and it was a fascinating um, project. It took me about five days part time to, you know, I'd work a couple hours at it at a time entering the names and then I would search out where these people were buried. And there was 375 names in this volume. And when I came across Dr. Peebles, he was the only one that was noted in Find a Grave as having been cremated. And I thought that was quite interesting. And there was a tremendous amount written on him. If you go to findagrave.com and look him up, Dr. James Martin Peebles, you're going to find a whole bunch of this information taken from newspaper articles as well as the biographical review article. And he's pretty well represented on there. It's a lot of of, uh, highlights and stuff of his life. He was a very fascinating man, of course. I mean, he was very world-traveled. He served as a, an ambassador to Turkey. He was involved with the... And he was involved with the Northwest Congressional Indian Peace Commission. He was also the head of universities, and he founded a couple of different sanitariums in the country. There was one in uh, San Antonio, one in California, right? another right here in Battle Creek, another health institute here in Battle Creek. And sometimes here in Battle Creek history, I've not really seen his name come up. I, you know, It kind of gets overshadowed by the long legacy of Dr. John Harvey Kellogg. And I had come across his name once before, and I didn't really explore it. And then when I was doing this project, I came across a lot of material on him. And then I just decided, well, I've got to really look into this guy. And so he's very fascinating lived almost to 100 years old. I guess you could call him a centurion. I mean, he was 40 days shy, but that's quite uh, an incredible story about his life. And he certainly was a very well-lived life. And he had a great connection here with a Southwest Michigan. I came across references where he had spoken in Sandusky, Ohio, and he, Buffalo, New York, of course. And he was a speaker on the national circuit for not only on medicine, but also on topics of anti-slavery, women's suffrage, and temperance. 
And having been a medical doctor, it gave him a lot of credibility to the audience that came to uh, hear him speak. And it's kind of interesting that he got involved with the spiritualist movement kind of later in life and went in that direction and included that belief system in his writings. Of course, he was very world-traveled as well, so that, you know, when you spend time in India, it's not very uh, surprising that he would have come across the different in Eastern philosophy as compared to the Western religious philosophy. When you go to the Eastern religions, they're very big on spiritualist movement, and we kind of uh, look at this spiritualist movement here in the United States at that point in history as a bit of an oddity, but all of the Eastern religions are very much based on a form of spiritualism, of being able to return in life, and every religion on planet Earth, to a greater or lesser degree, believes in some form of an afterlife. Either you go to heaven or you go to, as in the Buddhist sense, where you return and... um, do it all over again until you get it right, or some other variation, the happy hunting grounds, or the Valhalla, or whatever you call it. You know, there's some form of spiritual great beyond, and I think it's a question that man has been struggling with and trying to get an understanding of for the entirety of mankind's existence. So he was quite an interesting man, Dr. James Martin Peebles, and I'll probably at some point put a video together on the timeline and history of his life because he is that type of individual that I think would be fascinating to take on that kind of a project. And I have clipped a tremendous amount of newspaper articles just in preparing for this podcast. So in closing, I'll give you a quote from Dr. Peebles. Avoid worry and keep a harmonious mind. Worry is among the worst things in the world. Have a strong willpower and always look for the new. Keep calm. Well, those are some great words to live by. So if you like today's episode on Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past, please take some time to write a review on whatever app you're listening to and tell people about this podcast. Share it with them. Let them know that where they can find it, which you can find it on most any app out there that carries podcasts. Most of my listeners are coming from Apple Podcasts and Spotify, but you can also listen on Amazon Music and most any other app out there that carries podcasts. There's a lot of independent apps out there when you search the app store on whatever phone you're using. I have made an effort to try to get my uh, podcast on any app that I find. So if you do come across an app that you prefer to use and listen to, and I'm not on there, go ahead and message me through michaeldelaware.com and tell me the name of the app, and I will be happy to take the steps to add it to that podcast app because it's something that I always am interested in and making sure my podcast is available to as many people as possible. And some people, when I first launched the podcast, had reached out to me and asked me to do that, and I took the steps and made sure that happened. So there's plenty of apps out there to listen to. One of the ones I use quite a bit myself is Overdrive uh, because it's a very simple app. I've gotten used to using it. In fact, I was using that well before I started using Apple Podcasts. So that's just one of the many ones out there. And of course, if you have a subject or story that you'd like me to explore and include on a future 
episode on Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past, you can reach out to me at michaeldelaware.com. I'm always happy to hear from you. And until next time, when we explore another great story of yesterday on Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past, thank you for listening.